Hello and welcome to my podcast. I begin every podcast with a bowl so that we can connect, find our center and receive the insight from the podcast. Last night, I got triggered, a wound opened, and then I naturally sat on it. It annoyed me. It annoyed me, and I tried to rationalize it. I tried to be the, the higher person, the better person. I tried to go into what's my responsibility in this trigger? Or do I really need to make a boundary? And so I sat with it and I did nothing because it wasn't a big trigger, even though it's the same trigger that's been coming up for a long time. So it's a catalyst. So then it sat with me. And I had a dream. I had a dream that I was in a dark room, that no light could come in. And I was trying to open the curtains. I couldn't open the curtains. And then I went out to the lady who owned the house and I said, Why is it so dark in that room? Why won't the lights open? Why won't the windows open? Why won't the light come in? And she said, oh, because we used to have a budgerigar in there. We used to keep a budgerigar in there. And then all of a sudden my daughter walked past with seven of her friends and this lady said to me, where's my daughter? I said, I don't know. And then I walked into my daughter's room and she said something really profound to me. It was kind of lyrical and I can't even remember the words, but essentially she was telling me something about green and the line and that she was pregnant. And then I immediately opened my eyes from the dream and I saw the biggest imaginary spider running across the wall And I couldn't tell whether it was real or it was not real. But I kept watching it. And I kind of came to the conclusion that it wasn't real. Even though I closed my eyes again to try and go back to the dream, but it was gone. 
And I opened my eyes to look for the spider and it was gone. So I got up <clears throat> to do the tasks that I've been wanting to do. And I had a challenge on my computer. And I had a large video file that I've been working on for three months that I couldn't export. And so I was going into the YouTube movies, trying to figure out through tutorials how to do it. And so I finally decided that my throat was dry. Oh, I didn't decide it. So funny, think, look at my words. I didn't decide it. I realized that my throat was dry. I'd only just got up. I was cold. I was in my nighty, And my head had gone straight into what I had to achieve for the day. And so I thought, have a drink. Oh, my God. So I had a drink. And then I grabbed my towel and I went and had a shower. And I thought, no matter how long I sit here in my nighty in the cold, not drinking water, I'm not going to resolve this problem at this stage. Go and have a shower. So I went and had a shower. My legs were dry. And so I took the time and did a body scrub and put body butter on my body, which I don't ever do because I just felt that I needed the nourishment and care. My dry throat told me that I needed nourishment and care. So I took the time. And then I went back into my room and I looked at my computer. My partner came in. And I explained to him what was happening. And then I said to him, ah, oh, I found a tutorial that said I could reduce the size of the eight hour movie. And then it might upload or it might export. And he said, oh, that's a good idea. And then he came over and he just started touching my computer. And then with his hands pushing down on the buttons really hard and with his energy and his voice saying, oh, you've got all these things open. You've got all these things open. That's, that's going to take a long time. And all these things that were open were little notes that I'd made to myself, little, little areas or roads that I'd taken or ease of steps and all the research that I'd done to that I was keeping open on my computer and so he started doing force quit on all of them and then the computer locked up and he's doing force quit and my heart felt like I was having daggers it wasn't even sharp daggers it was like a blunt instrument hitting my heart and he just keeps banging to my computer and and trying to close all of these windows and then I say to him oh my god your energy is hurting me. You know, the judgment that's coming from you right now. And he said to me, but I told you, but I told you yesterday, you need to close things down. And this light bulb went off in my head and he kept doing his thing and he had less intensity. And then... The computer was struggling, but then things started to clear and open just as I had my light bulb moment. And then the computer said 10 hours and everything was closed down. And I just sat there with my light bulb moment in absolute deer in the headlights shock at what had just gone on, but how profound it was and how much gold was in it. 
and how it had come from such an unconscious level and yet it was the clarity that I had needed. I didn't know what to say. And so I wrote a text to my friend who I trust and love dearly. And the words were, I just had an awareness. Men get frustrated with women and then they think they are stupid. So they project their dominance and crush the sensitive feminine. And then I said to her, I just had to say that. Because in that moment of him doing what he was doing to my computer, it reminded me of every moment that he had dominated me, reminded me of every moment my brother had dominated me, reminded me of every moment that my son dominates me, reminded me of every moment that my father dominates me and took me right back to when I was a five-year-old. So right now, I have hit the jackpot on something that is so ancient and so old. And my higher self and my logical mind and my rational mind wants to say, no, all men are not like that. I'm not like that. And I don't want to say all men are like that, but to me, to my inner child, that is the example of a man who unconsciously did those things because they buried their anger, they buried their energy and then they projected it through frustration because they just wanted you to shut up or they just wanted to help you or they just wanted to fix it. But what does it leave? What does it leave? What's the imprint that's left behind? A scared little girl who wants to toe the line. Toe the line, figure it out for herself. Don't ask for help. Because no one understands the sensitivity of another person's heart. They don't understand their own fire. The fire in a man, if he doesn't understand how his penis rises and the fire in his body and the testosterone in his body, he can never understand how to be gentle and how to be flaccid. From a sexual context, when a man is sensual with you and making love to you, it's channeled in the right direction. If he wants to fuck you over or fuck you up, the energy is different. When the energy in his body is heat, when it's repressed fire, when its energy hasn't been able to move for whatever reasons, it's going to come up and it's harsh. And this goes for women too. This goes for everybody. This goes for me. This makes me go, all right, when have I possibly done that to somebody? Because that's a learned behavior that I've now learned that comes out of me as well. So I now have venom in me as well. And perhaps it goes in the wrong direction at times. So the heat came up, my throat was dry, my body was trembling. I didn't know which where to go, what to do, who to talk to, who to touch. I wanted to take full responsibility of this trigger. I didn't want to project it. I didn't want it to make it about anybody else. I wanted to be fully responsible for what was going on. 
I didn't initially want to share my process. But then I came downstairs, put my shoes on and thought, I'll call a friend. I'll call a friend. But then what am I going to do? I'm going to hear their point of view. I'm going to hear their rationale. I'm going to hear the way they process things. I'm going to see how they'll want to calm me down or make it better or reframe it. When really, all I really need to do is fill my fire. So I sit down with my daughter who's four. She doesn't want to talk to me. And I acknowledge that. My energy's awful. Why would she want to talk to me? So I sit down with her. She's got crystals on the ground. She's playing Legos and she's eating her breakfast. So I just connect with the crystals and I start to hold the crystals. And then as I'm holding the crystals, she wants them back because she loves them. And then the crystals start talking to me. Not through words, just the feelings start to change. And then I pick up a yellow crystal and I start to sing. And here comes my son. I start to sing. Om Triambakam Yajamahe Sugam Dimbushti Vardhanam Orvarukamivam Vandanat Mityor Mukshiavamritat and I repeat it over and over and over again. And I have my hands in prayer position and I open my eyes after saying it three times and my daughter, little four-year-old, is sitting there with her eyes closed listening to me. And so I continue singing it and I continue singing it until I've done it nine times and I can hear my partner coming down the stairs. Immediately as his last foot hits the bottom stair, I stop. And I say, I want to take her to kindy. I want to walk with her to kindy. And he says, I'm taking her to kindy. And he says, but I have to go to the toilet first. And I said, okay. So I grab her bag and we walk to kindy. As we walk to kindy, she rides her bike next to me. And she says, look, mummy, there's a dog wagging his tail. Look, mummy, look at this. And she's talking like a little girl and she's just chatty, chatty, chatty with me. And we're walking to kindy. And all of a sudden on his mountain bike with his swords across his chest, flies past us and does a skid in front and almost knocks us over. He's arrived. And then all of a sudden she's gone, racing her bike down the hill. And I go, well, there was my moment. There was the silence. There was the quiet time. There was my moment to teach her something about me. And we get to kindy. And the rule is only one parent goes inside. And so I'm standing out the front with her bag because they've gone inside, but I can't go inside because there's only one parent allowed inside. And he comes out and he goes, what are you doing? And with all the heat in my throat and the trigger from the morning, I said, I can't go in there and I want to say goodbye to my daughter so she has a good day. So why am I sharing this? What is so profound about this? And why is it buried so deep in my tissue? And why has it come to the surface now? I can hear my son chopping bread. 
as he's entered the room. I'm not so angry now, but I'm still angry. But it's calming. Because rather than write it down, I've actually said it. Everyone's innocent. There's no guilty party. There's no right or wrong. It just is. And so I'm grateful for the trigger. And it will unwind today. Now the heat's coming up through my nose. Because I've acknowledged it. I've felt it. And I don't hate these people in my life. And I don't hate men. I understand that we're all children in adults' bodies. I understand that we're all trying to find our way. And without telling our truth or without expressing or barking like a dog like we need to, people will walk all over us. And if we toe the line too much and we don't express how we feel, people will walk all over us. And we need to take responsibility of when we're walking all over other people. It's really interesting with social distancing now. How we're each finding our space. We're each feeling what it's like to be in our own bodies without being confused about other people. And so our triggers are coming up in the family environment because we're really getting to see each other at that level. And essentially our children are aspects of ourselves. And the relationship that you had with the man when you conceived the child. Here comes my daughter. So they're our greatest teachers and they're our greatest triggers and they're our greatest love and they're our greatest safety. I'm still feeling the heat moving through my body. I'm feeling the heat around my nose, around my throat. I can feel a throbbing headache. In the past I would have said I'm unwell. I have something wrong with me. I have a virus or I'm getting sick, but I know this is process. I know this is deep. I know it had to come to the surface. And so rather than sugarcoat it or distract myself with conversation or trying to find the sweet spot or trying to find the sweetness or trying to find the positive in it, I'm just going to feel it right now. I'm just going to feel it and I'm going to be okay with feeling it. In the, po- in the past, when energy has been, has been, I can hear my words, when energy has been so intense in my body, all I want to do is get it out of me or I want to dramatize it or create some kind of can't you see I'm hurting expression or communication to my own body. And yet if I just allow it like the wave, like I do with love or like I do with orgasm or like I do with tears, if I just allow, everything will settle and find its place where it needs to. But I don't want this buried anymore. 
I don't want this buried. I don't want to remain silent. And I don't want to be nice all the time. I don't want to try and be anything. I just want to be real. I don't want to be shamed for my expression. I don't want to be told to shut up. I don't want to be felt that my opinion is not valid. I don't want to have the pressure on myself and my tongue and my jaw to say the truth in every moment. I want to be able to say no. I want to be able to say I don't like that. And I want it to be okay. I find in this podcast I can so much go into the you and the we and I can start dictating to you and telling you what to do and turning this into a positive and not taking responsibility for my own feelings and separating myself from you, which is utter bullshit. If you are a human and I am a human, then we're going to feel the whole gamut of emotions. We're going to feel them differently. We're going to have different reactions to them. We're going to understand them differently, but we're going to have the same thing. We're going to have the same emotion. It's so amazing when the fire comes off my tongue. It's so amazing when frustration, anger comes to the surface. I can feel my jaw tighten. I can feel the heat on my tongue. I can feel how it's coiling. I can feel how it wants to say words like fuck and fuck you. And then when I say fuck you, there's the bottom of my throat that feels so good. It just feels so good. It's like the word that actually creates a boundary and it comes from the foulness at the back of my throat. And if we are one of those people that feels we don't have foulness, that's not true. You're just the one that's bypassing the foulness. You're the ones who stay in the sweet spot. And you know what's interesting? As I say that, it's like, oh my gosh, how could I show myself? Then people won't think that I'm a spiritual being. (laughs) So funny. I am everything. All of it. All of it. It's how I choose to show up. And I won't be shamed for being human. I've been shaming myself for being human. I've been shaming myself for not being perfect. And so if I'm shaming myself, I'm going to shame and judge you as much as I shame and judge myself. Isn't that the truth? How many of us shame and judge each other? Oh, and then the word manipulation. I watch myself as a parent trying to negotiate with my four-year-old. I'm like, oh my God, look at this. Look at when the patterning starts. How do I raise my daughter without using any manipulation at all? How do I have the patience to actually take the time to explain things to her and allow her a free will and expression while getting her to toe the line with what the rules are? I mean, yeah, my daughter said to me, oldest daughter said to me, what is she going to be like when she grows up because you're raising her totally different to us? And I said, well, we don't know. We're just letting her have her arms and her legs and her hair and her mess and everything. And we're letting her work it out for herself. We're allowing her to be a whole human. 
So she can be rude. She can say no. She can create a boundary. And who is she to me? My greatest teacher. She is my greatest teacher. So what did my girlfriend say after I sent her that text? This is what she said. It is true. It is very true. And it's theirs to heal, not ours. So immediately I went, that makes me feel better because it's his, it's not mine. But I know the truth. Yes, it's his, but it's also mine. Then she said, what I feel Men believe what women are from their own projections, perceptions of what a woman is. It really is not about the woman, but their feminine side of themselves and how much they have accepted it or not at all. It's how deep can they dive into the feminine? How much can they allow and let themselves feel and be felt? Surrender to the unknown and the no control. It's going to show how much can they trust a woman is how much they can trust themselves. I find it quite profound because it's true. Feel the feels so then I have to turn it around and I have to say well how is my internal masculine treating my internal feminine and as I was walking back today on my own as I was walking with a greater step I wasn't towing the line anymore and allowing my fire to come up I had a realization which now I've forgotten. <laughs> My realization was that this anger, my anger that I'm feeling right now, is coming from my feminine, not my masculine. Because my feminine is finally fed up. My feminine now wants to speak. My feminine has something to say. And not, not everyone will like it. And this may bring up stuff for people. And I'm not sorry. We're going into the deep dive of internal world. So it's important for everybody to tell the truth. And tomorrow, my truth may be different, but right now, this is my truth. <laughs>